Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here going solo today, not to break down the Knicks 118 to 100 loss to the Magic. Who needs to hear about another shorthanded loss? Instead, I'm going to get into some all star goals for the Knicks, including first and foremost, get healthy. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks, and I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. Make sure you hit that auto-download function on your favorite podcast app or the notification bell on YouTube so you never miss an episode once you subscribe because we are here for you guys five days a week. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at strict.land, and the Knicks Lost 118 to 100 to the Magic. Jalen Brunson had an efficient 33 points to lead into his first All Star game. And the Knicks had to play Taj Gibson and Jacob Toppin meaningful minutes in this game. That is about all you need to know about that game. It was one depleted playoff team versus one full strength playoff team. And the depleted team lost. And that's it. Uh, I don't really think much more needs to be said about this game. And I'd rather start looking towards, I mean, Gavin and I are going to have more content over the next week uh, getting into this, but I'd rather start looking towards the future, start looking towards after the All-Star break and what the Knicks can do during the All-Star break and getting more into that. Uh, You know, I I think that there's a lot to consider going into this this All-Star break. So first off, the Knicks don't play again for eight days uh, next Thursday, February 22nd, or I guess as of when you're listening to this one week from today is when the Knicks play their next game. Uh, but eight days for between games before every or for every Nick other than Jalen Brunson. So that's, that's beneficial for them. I think it's going to be really critical to getting this team ready for a run at a top two seed potentially, and especially getting themselves set for hopefully a deep playoff run. Uh, so the Knicks, just to recap where we're at, at the, uh, the spiritual halfway point of the season, uh, not the actual halfway point of the season. That was weeks ago. Uh, but at 55 games into the season, your New York Knicks sit at 33 and 22. That's currently the four seed. They are four games behind Cleveland for the two seed. They're two games behind Milwaukee for the three seed. And then as far as teams below them, they're half a game above Philly for the four seed and two and a half and three games over Indiana and Miami, respectively. So things aren't exactly locked in, but all in all, they're the Knicks are sitting pretty good right now. They're in they're in good shape. They're just as far ahead of the teams at uh, at six and seven as they are behind the teams at two and three, almost, which is about all you can ask for. Basically, just says, hey, if they play well, things should be good. And so what? should the Knicks goals be over this all-star break? I think number one, and I don't think anyone would disagree with this at all, is get healthy. That is number one. I thought it would be beneficial to sort of look at all of the injuries that the Knicks have right now and their timelines and kind of lay out a plan for when we might expect to see all the Knicks back on the floor again together based off what the injury prognoses were. So first, we got Randall, Julius Randall, uh, dislocated shoulder. Injury occurred Saturday 
January 22nd. So by February 1st, the Knicks said that he would be reevaluated in two to three weeks. The Knicks' next game is February 22nd, which if you just did a little head math, that is exactly three weeks since the Knicks said two to three weeks. So that's encouraging. Uh, it, that means that today actually is exactly two weeks. So we might hear some stuff over the weekend potentially, although the Knicks have been playing the injury news very close to the chest. Uh, maybe since the All-Star break is over, maybe they'll be a little more forthcoming now. But they've been they've been a little... Uh, a little bit not wanting to share that information uh, just strategically, I guess. Uh, but so here's a quote that Tibbs had the other day about Julius. Uh, Tibbs said, he was in my office the day before we left for Houston. We had a great visit, went through some stuff. We're already processing what the next things are. He's doing really well overall. And the thing that's unfortunate, he was playing at such a high level when he took on the injury. And I said it at the time, the one great thing about him is he's in great shape. So I think that makes it not easier it's never easy to come back, but because of the fact that he's in great shape, I think coming back happens faster because of that. So I don't want to say for sure that Julius Randle will be back a week from today, next Thursday, the first game after the All-Star break. But based off quotes from the coach, based off the timeline that the Knicks themselves set out, based off the work ethic that we know Julius has and the physical condition that he's in, and like, honestly, he's a very sculpted man. He's got – he's he's – clearly in very good shape, does not skip chest day, does not skip arm day, uh, probably does not skip his shoulder exercises either. I don't think he skips a single exercise, maybe because of how muscular he is. He's having an easier time than most recovering from this injury and will be good to go. Uh, my number one hope is just that the, the Knicks team doctors use their own expertise rather than just trusting Randall to say, I'm, I'm ready to go, which I'm sure that they will. Because him coming back too early could potentially be very catastrophic. I think it would be worth waiting a few extra days just to be sure before bringing him back in. But I, I do think it seems it seems realistic that he could be back in this first game after the All-Star break. And it's going to be a pretty key one because it's against the Sixers, who will be without Joel Embiid, obviously, but are still creeping on the Knicks in the standings there. So, you know, if you can manage to get a game and on them and put a little distance there, hold on to that 4C comfortably, hold on to that home court advantage in the first round, you're doing pretty good. Uh, OG Ananobi next had the bone spur removal from his elbow. The operation for him was on February 8th with a timetable of three weeks to resume basketball activities, which places him at February 29th. So he could potentially return on leap day. Uh, the Knicks do play the Warriors that day, but assuming that he needs a small ramp-up period, I think, you know, because that's only basketball activities resuming, not full-on playing basketball. So assuming that he just needs a couple days to get himself back together, I think March 3rd versus the Cavs is a pre pretty reasonable point to expect him back. Uh, also another potentially key game against a team that the Knicks are fighting at the top of the standings with and a team that really uh, managed to be hotter than the Knicks going into the all-star break, just thanks mostly to being healthy and stuff, but also have Donovan Mitchell playing fantastic right now. Just got Evan Mobley back recently. I mean, they're playing really well. So that could potentially be a game for OG on and Obi to target. Uh, but if he was able to come back by March 3rd, that would mean he gets to play in the final 22 games for the Knicks, which is not an insignificant number. So he would get to play the final quarter and change of the season for the Knicks. I think that would be pretty great. Mitchell Robinson, I think, is the next biggest injury as far as scope of injury. 
that the Knicks are dealing with right now. So he had his ankle surgery the week of December 11th, all the way back then. Remember those days. Uh, Mitch was supposed to be reevaluated in eight to 10 weeks. So they said on December 11th, which was a Monday, that he was having that surgery that week. So let's just assume for all intents and purposes, even that he had that surgery on the Friday. Let's just say it went all the way to the end of the week. Uh, so it, that would have been December 15th. So eight weeks would have been last Friday, February 9th. Ten weeks will be February 23rd. So we're getting we're getting close with Mitch. I mean, obviously the Knicks, they applied for that disabled player exception, which made all of us worry that Mitch was definitely going to be out for the season. But for them to have gotten that, they would have had to prove that he's going to be out through June. It, it, it has been a little weird, this saga with Mitch's injury, because I don't know why they even went forward with trying to apply for that exception if they weren't like sure or pretty sure that they thought he was going to miss the whole season. Maybe they just wanted a, another consultation from the NBA set of doctors. So they said, hey, look over his records, see if he's eligible for this disabled player. Because I was like, do you guys think he's going to be out through the end of the year? But the Knicks deal with hospital for special surgery, which is a very renowned organization that has done plenty of procedures on plenty of athletes. And I think things would probably be uh, under control just there. So who knows? I, I don't know what to expect with Mitch's injury, but assuming that he hit 10 weeks and was able to start resuming activities, that would be the 23rd again, which is next week. Uh, considering it's a foot injury, I think it's reasonable to assume he'd probably need at least a week or two to practice like more so than like an OG Ananobi who's going to be able to keep his cardio just fine while his elbow is recovering, you know, or, or Julius Randall who should be able to keep his cardio fine while his shoulder is recovering. Mitch has a thing with his lower body, which means, you know, he probably hasn't been able to run as much, uh, probably hasn't been able to do much more than like maybe pool treadmills, stuff like that. So we'll see how it goes with him. Uh, but hopefully he'll be back early March as well. Isaiah Hartenstein strained his Achilles tendon. Uh, so I think with him, it's just going to come down to some rest and relaxation over the break should be good for him since it's an overuse injury and he tweaked it a few games ago, but he was already back and kind of back to doing what he was doing before the injury. Uh, but I don't know. I, I think just has to, he, he really has to rest, uh, and really has to manage that injury for the rest of the year. Hopefully Tibbs is on board with that. Hopefully Jericho and, and precious can kind of offset his minutes, especially precious considering how good precious has been playing. Until Mitch comes back and then he and Mitch in the interest of both their health can hopefully just find like a 50-50 split. But I would expect that Hartenstein will probably be back after the All-Star break given given the amount of games that he missed previously with the Achilles strain and then was able to come back and pretty much get right back into the flow of things. And then the last two guys that were just out this last game before the break, Bogdanovich and Dante DiVincenzo, I think should both be back immediately after the break. That seemed like just precautionary. Although with Dante, it was like his hamstring, obviously. So hopefully he gets lots of fluids in him. You know, Theraguns the crap out of that every day and feels a lot better. Uh, but all in all, I think the Knicks should be at full strength for probably at least the last 20 or so games of the season. If all goes according to plan, Mitch is probably the biggest wild card right now. Uh, so, but even without Mitch, I do think that one thing the Knicks really need to do is expand to a 10-man rotation and finally just bite the bullet and do that. And so I'm going to get into that a bit in the next segment. But first, I got to let you all know about our friends over at Robinhood. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? 
Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from other retirement accounts with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024, validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk, including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of the first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to specific terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC is a registered broker-dealer. All right, and I'm back in to keep talking about goals to the Knicks going into the All-Star break here. And my second goal for the Knicks as they get out of the All-Star break, and this is assuming that all the things fall into place that I mentioned in the last segment, but the Knicks, in my opinion, need to expand back out to a 10-man rotation. But they need to do it better than the last time they were running a 10-man rotation uh, prior to when things turned around last season. So I don't I don't really buy that Tibbs is solely responsible for all these injuries the Knicks have right now, which seems to be a thing that some people on the internet believe. Uh, I think Randall's was a freak injury. OG's was a previous issue from earlier in the year that became too much to bear. Mitch, I don't think, was an overuse injury either. I think his ankle just got hurt, and he, they said he needed surgery. I mean, it, it, it happens sometimes, but he wasn't playing like – an obscene amount of minutes to make that happen. That said, I do think there's something to be said that Dante DiVincenzo and Isaiah Hartenstein's injuries were definitely related to the amount of minutes that they were playing and how they were playing them. So I don't think it's obscene to have a player play 40 minutes in a game, but I do think that it gets a little bit much on a player's body when game after game they're playing like 14-minute shifts. I, I don't think that should be a thing anymore. I don't think that Tibbs should be striving to have these guys be in there for an entire quarter plus a part of another quarter before giving them a, a two-minute rest. I think it would be more beneficial to go like 10 minutes and then you know four-minute rest over the period break so that way that they get you know that extra little bit when it's between the first and second quarter, 10 minutes again to end the half, so on and so forth. That gets you to 40 minutes. Uh, but I, you know, assuming that you get health from Randall, Isaiah Hartenstein, Dante DiVincenzo, Bojan Bogdanovich, who had a minor injury, apparently they kept him out right after the break. The Knicks would have Brunson, Dante, I would assume Josh Hart, uh, Julius Randall, and Isaiah Hartenstein available to start, and then could very easily move that rotation out to 10 guys with Bojan Bogdanovich, uh, Alec Burks, Deuce McBride, Presh Sachua, and Jericho Sims off the bench. And I think they should do that, especially for the benefit of Hartenstein. Like, get both Precious and Jericho in there for some stretches. They've played well together at times. You know, they they subbed in pretty well uh, at the beginning of when the Knicks were getting, uh, you know, hit with all these injuries and managed to get them some wins against some lesser teams. So give them more of a chance. I mean, they I think they've they've done well for themselves so far. Why not give them more of a chance? And then you've got Burks and Bojan Bogdanovic to hopefully get Hart back down to a normal amount of minutes again because I think we've all seen that Hart at like 40-something minutes just is not a great idea. 
at this point. I think that he should be back down to like a 20 to 25 minute player and there'd be a lot more, uh, a lot less hesitancy to, to cut that those minutes down for him uh, because if he's not having a great game, it, it does have a tendency to sort of sink the Knicks a bit. But then I think it, it also allows players to get more rest in game. If you go back out to, to 10 players in the rotation, uh, which keeps them fresher, not just for the game at hand, but also for the future games because they're not putting as much strain on their body game to game. Number two, it allows for more potential variety and who you mix and match with during the regular season, which has happened a bit during this more injured run. But in the end, getting to see more combinations of players during the regular season is always good for the postseason. And then the third thing, obviously, it allows guys to not tax themselves as much over the course of multiple games and end up with pesky stress injuries, which is the sort of stuff that we saw with Isaiah Hartenstein and Dante DiVincenzo. There's also to consider the fact that the Knicks just have so much talent that once they get OG and Mitch back, they kind of, I think, almost have no choice but to go to 10 players. So that means that you would be able to run out Brunson, Dante, OG Ananobi, Julius Randle, Isaiah Hartenstein as your starters, and then have Boyan Bogdanovich, Mitchell Robinson, Alec Burks, Josh Hart, and Presh Sachua as the backups. I mean, that's that's pretty fantastic. And you still have Deuce available if you really need that defensive punch or the three-point shooting that he's been offering, uh, you know, since he's been playing better in, in the wake of the OG Ananobi trade. I mean, I think that that's just that that's too much talent to leave like what is is precious Achua going to be the guy then that just gets glued to the bench? Like, how can you justify that after how well he's played this last month? I mean, he's he's been fantastic, and I think that he gives you an opportunity to give Julius Randle more of a rest here and there to, you know, then give him the opportunity to close games as strong as possible along with Jalen Brunson and all those other guys. So I don't know. I, I think that, that they have a really good opportunity to potentially have the deepest team in the league here and get themselves ready to basically absorb anything in the playoffs, whether it's injuries, whether it's certain guys underperforming and needing other guys to step in and step up like what we saw with Miami last year. Uh, when the Knicks played them, where they just had this deep bench that was all ready to go and slot right in. I think the Knicks have an opportunity to do something like that, but much better. Uh, also, the starting lineup when fully healthy also just blew teams out of the water. They were plus 17.1 points per 100 possessions as a group uh, per cleaning the glass. So you should have plenty of time to drop a few points here and there in the name of experimentation and getting better as an overall team. So uh, I, I think... I think there's a pretty compelling case for moving back out to a 10-man rotation. Just my only thing, and I have not brought it up yet because it's still the only thing that I hold on to from uh, the last time the Knicks were at a 10-man rotation, but Tibbs just would need to control his urges to use hockey shifts again. No more like getting all five starters out and all five reserves in within like a minute of each other and then subbing all the reserves out at once and putting all the starters back in. That just... That does not work. And hopefully his revelation of using a nine-man rotation and seeing all the permutations that allows has given him the clarity to see, okay, maybe we can have an all-reserve lineup in there for three, four minutes a game. But all in all, I should be striving to stagger these starters in and out, you know, have Brunson out there for most of the time, uh, and then, you know, get Randall in there the times when he's sitting and so on and so forth. Uh, hopefully he's able to sort of, figure that all out because I, I think that that would change a lot for the Knicks in, in terms of having a 10-man rotation if you don't treat it like a thing where you just have to do hockey shifts. But the last thing that I think the Knicks should be doing is getting these new guys properly integrated. And then I have a little message for the fans, too, of the Knicks uh, and, and just a little 
perspective to offer before we close things out going into the all-star break here. Uh, but first, I got to let everybody know about another one of our lovely sponsors today. This episode is brought to you by Hungry Root. Hungry Root is your partner in healthy living. It's the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality groceries and simple, healthy recipes delivered to your door. All you have to do is take a fun, short quiz, and Hungry Root will get to know your personal health goals, what you like to eat, the kitchen appliances you use, and more. And then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to good use. Hungry Root will recommend recipes and groceries based on your personal tastes but each order is fully customizable. You can take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high quality meat and seafood, pantry staples, healthy snacks, sweets, ready to eat meals, and much more. Sounds like quite the variety that you can get off of Hungry Root. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's gotta taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. So you can save hours planning, shopping, and cooking. Hungry Root delivers food you'll love. Right now, Hunger Root is offering Locked On NBA listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Lots of veggies. You should eat your veggies, and you can get them for life now. Just go to HungerRoot.com slash Locked On to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungerRoot.com slash Locked On. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. All right, and I'm back in to keep going over some goals for the Knicks coming out of the All-Star break here. And I think my last one is pretty simple. Just get these new guys properly integrated. So Bojan Bogdanovic in two games so far seems to not totally get the picture of where he needs to be on the offense. Uh, and defense, I've actually been pleasantly surprised. But I mean, it, I do think that he would benefit from learning the, the scheme fully, knowing where he's got to be. Because we've seen a lot of somewhat subpar defenders look a lot better in the Knicks scheme this year just by the fact that they have a simple solution where it's just funnel guys inside, make them panic, make them kick it back outside, understand where the pass is going to go based off where your other fellow defenders are, are at on the floor, and then generating lots of deflections that way and creating turnovers. So hopefully he's able to get acclimated into that. But most importantly, I think he needs to find his role on offense. And I think Coming out of the break, there's going to need to be a clear dichotomy of like who handles the ball in the second unit and when. And I think there's a, a pretty good case to be made for giving Bojan a lot of those reps. He's a pretty sneaky good creator. Like if you watch some of his his tape from Detroit, he he can get inside and he has good instincts as far as like wraparound passes to bigs off of a pick and roll for a you know for a dunk for a big. He's got pretty good instincts about kicking out to the corners. And he kind of does all the things you would want from a creator pretty well. He just does them at half speed, like he does everything. Um, but I think there's a good, you know, case to be made for him being the guy that it maybe if doesn't bring the ball down the floor, at least receives the ball quickly in a possession, and is the guy that sort of sets things up and is the shot creator with that second unit. Again, if you're going with a full second unit lineup, which I would assume would include Alec Burks, uh, would include Josh Hart, would include uh possibly Deuce McBride from from time to time. Um, but it also probably Presh Sachua and Mitchell Robinson. So it'll it'll be an interesting dynamic. I think that Boyan would mostly be playing the three there if it's going to be, uh, or I guess nominally maybe your two. I, I don't know what you would consider him at that point, but I think that having him handle the ball over like Burks and Hart, if you're in a full reserve unit, 
works out better. I think that he's he's going to create better. He's going to make his own shot better. He's going to make shots for others better. I think we've seen with Burks, like the main thing is that you can't respect him all the way to the hoop. And so that makes it difficult to kind of pull that defense all the way in to then create those opportunities for your teammates. And then Hart doesn't get respected out at the three-point line. You know, Boyan gets respected in both places. So it's like he's he's got that you know, magic sweet spot where he's able to draw the defense's attention pretty much anywhere because he's a three-level scorer, which then means that he can, you know, kick it out to teammates. But I also think it'll be important, too, to get him used to playing with Brunson and Randall as well because there are going to be times, I think, during the playoffs where the Knicks just need as much creation, as much scoring as possible, and he could be very useful for that. Uh, I also think if Randall isn't back by the end of All-Star break, Bogdanovich should really start. I think that it would make a lot more sense to start Precious at center and put Boyan at the four. And then, you know, if Ananobi's still not back, then have Hart at the three. I think you can absorb, you know, the the defensive deficiencies there of not having Sims in there at center and Precious at four instead of putting Boyan at the four because Precious has been a lot better than I think anyone thought at, you know, doing stuff uh, at the, the five there. But even if, I mean, this is also assuming that Isaiah Hartenstein wouldn't be ready to go too. And, I think that he probably will be as well. So if you have Hartenstein or Precious in there at the starting five, like I think you can afford to put Boyan at the four if Randall's not quite ready right out of the all-star break. But I just think that starting unit is just lacking something. You know, it's becoming too much of like Brunson having to set the table every single time and be the guy that's probably going to shoot the ball most of the time. And then using Dante as the release valve. And then that's pretty much it. Like maybe running a couple pick and rolls with, you know, the center or whatever, but I think they just need a little more variety in that starting lineup if Randall's not going to be in there. And then with Burks, I think he just needs to get better versed on where people are going to be. Like, I think he's a smart player. I think he'll figure it out. But I do think this team is a lot different than the last time that he was on it. And so I think that, like, as of right now, he's sort of just hesitant to pass after missing. He missed some guys for turnovers in his first few games. And, like, I don't know, He's he just seemed a little tentative to pass. I don't think that he's necessarily like a chucker. I think that he likes to shoot. <laughs> so, you know, if he feels like he's open, he's going to, but I don't think he's reluctant to pass if he feels like he understands where his teammates are going to be. And so I think that's going to be big for him, just getting some practice reps in, understanding his teammates' spots, where they like to be, and, you know, eventually figuring that all out. So that ends my goals for the Knicks. But for the fans, I just wanted to share one more thing. And, and it's because I've been seeing a lot of, a lot of belly aching lately just about losing a few games prior to the all-star break where the team was obviously not at a hundred percent. And I think, you know, Knicks fans should probably just try a little harder to appreciate what we got. I intentionally, I'm wearing a Knicks hat right now for those that can't see that are listening on audio form, but I'm wearing a Mets shirt. And the reason for that is to remind everybody things can be worse. Uh, you could be a Mets fan instead of a Knicks fan right now where your team is spending 300 400 after taxes almost 500 million dollars to miss the playoffs to just have all this talent and not get anywhere with it sell all your pieces off at the deadline i mean it was a miserable year to be a mets fan this past year i don't really follow the yankees like that but everybody i know that's a yankees fan felt like basically the same experience for them this year paying tons of money like falling short on expectations all in all, just not being a fun experience to have. And so I use that as a reminder. Like, I mean, I don't even have to say anything about the New York football teams, but appreciate where the Knicks are at right now. I mean, they were 
they were cruising towards potentially the two seed like six, seven games ago before they, you know, just had this huge rash of injuries that have, you know, kind of devastated them here. So let them get healthy. And then this, this team once healthy and which could be healthier and have more depth than when they went 14 and two in January went 14 and two in January. So like, just look towards the future. Don't worry about stuff like this game. That's why I specifically didn't want to talk about this magic game because it's not important. It's not going to, you know, if the Knicks truly are as good as they can be and truly fulfill their promise this year, we won't be caring about the game when they were losing all their rotation players and had to play pressure or, and had to play uh, uh, Jacob Toppin and Taj Gibson as much as they did. They're the fourth seed by the all-star break. Like when was the last time the Knicks held that high of a seed at the all-star break? Nineties, uh, I guess uh, like 1997 or something. I don't know. It's been a really long time since the Knicks have been the high. I didn't even think to look it up, but it's one of the best teams that most of us have ever gotten to root for. And it's one of the best teams in the NBA when they're healthy, the data suggests that. So you know, there's no, there's no need to just get this melancholy about it. You know, I just, I feel like I see it too often on Twitter or our comments or, you know, the discord with the Strickland, where it's just like everyone treats every win or loss like an end all be all. And I think we just need to take a little more perspective and understand the Knicks were never going to win every single game this year. Um, certainly most of us didn't even think they were going to win as many as they have so far. Uh, and be quite as good as they've been, thanks to the OG trade. I think things uh, perception has shifted quite a bit, and now we're allowing ourselves to dream big. But enjoy the ride along the way. Don't don't hyperanalyze everything quite so much. That's my goal for all of you after the All Star break, and for myself because you know Gavin and I fall into that trap sometimes too. But anyway, thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. We got plenty of content coming over the All Star break too. I wish I could tell you exactly what we're going to talk about, but we haven't quite planned it yet. We're going to do that this weekend, so. Uh, Gavin will be back, I think, tomorrow with an episode. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make that one. And then we'll be back talking about all kinds of other goals and other things that are interesting to us right uh, leading up to the next coming back next Thursday. So thank you all for listening. Talk to you soon. Peace out, everybody.